Welcome to the Generation Lime podcast. This is the second episode of our podcast. My name is Jesse Rubin. I'm on the board of Generation Lime, and I am joined by Haley, who is also a board member. Today, we are going to be doing a deep dive into Haley's health journey. Uh, we're doing the entire board. Haley drew the short straw, so she's going first. We're going to be talking about her life before Lyme, whatever tiny version of her life there was before Lyme. We're going to be talking about her whole diagnosis before that, afterwards treatment. Um, before we get started, I just want to say the fact that Haley is still here and a functioning human being is a total miracle, and I had no idea, and I'm excited to dive into it with her. Before we start that, Haley, how are you doing? I am a little nervous to do this, but mm-hmm. doing well. It was a sunny day today. Got some. Vitamin you got D. all dressed up. I got looking fresh. I got all dressed up. Showered. It's a good day. <laughs> it's gonna be great. There's sirens going off in the background. It's, it's phenomenal. Manhattan, you know. It's Manhattan. <laughs> um, I'm excited to do this. We did a little bit of a rundown yesterday, and I learned a lot of things about you, and they all just impressed me. So I am excited to learn more. Because I think you're amazing. Thank Basically, you. at the end of this, anyone who's watching or listening to this, you will just know that Haley is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so let's start with the very beginning, pre-Lyme. Talk to me about your life before any of this happened. Yeah, so um, I was bit by a tick when I was 18 months old. Um, so-, so talk to me about your memories before 18 months old. <laughs> <laughs> not, not many memories there. Okay. Um, don't even remember getting bit at 18 mm-hmm. months old. So, uh, did you have a bullseye rash at 18 months? I did not. Um, we actually, it was in my baby book. My mom and dad didn't even remember either. It was in my baby book that I got bit and I had a week of doxycycline treatment at 18 months old. Yep. That's crazy. So, take me. Past that, now you're a kid growing up. What is your life like when you're elementary yeah. school, before elementary school, all that stuff? Yeah, I don't really remember before elementary school. <laughs> if mm. anyone does, I can. <laughs> um, but in elementary school, I started getting like weird skin rashes and a lot of like ear infections and just weird stuff um, that was kind of blamed on scented lotions and stuff um and i remember vividly telling my mom i would come home like crying saying i hate my skin i hate the skin i'm in i wish i could cut my skin off like it was just it was horrendous it was all the time um how old were you uh this was probably between like five and ten um and then maybe earlier and they just thought you were like being bratty or just being difficult or what well i mean the skin rashes were visible Mm. um so they didn't think i was making that up but they blamed it on all like the scented like the uh bed bath and beyond whatever so you were like very organic lotioned household i would imagine no i wasn't the opposite yeah well Mm. we didn't we didn't really know about all that so we were kind of organic but um no, it was all like fancy scented lotions mm-hmm. that kids liked. And so they blamed it on that. So I was the only kid using like sensitive skin, unscented Lubriderm, and, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's great. 
Um, yeah. And then around eight years old, I started getting debilitating knee pains. Um, and then that went into debilitating back pain at around 10 and 12 years old. And that got blamed on one hormones, um, two stress because everyone's stressed out at eight years old. <laughs> like literally doctors were saying your eight year old daughter is too stressed out and now her back and knees are hurting because of it. Yeah. And granted, I had no anxiety before I got super sick with Lyme. Like, yeah zero nothing phased me um and yeah they so i was i was a downhill ski racer um and i grew up in western new york where the ski slopes are basically an ice rink tilted up (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you're just skiing on ice five to seven days a week probably destroying your body so that kind of got blamed on that um but i was the only person there my age and older than me wearing knee braces on both knees and like a little hot pack on my back so my back didn't seize up so you're like eight nine ten years old Mm -hmm. and you're just in pain every day constantly yeah it wasn't like sometimes it would go away and sometimes it would come back no by by the time i was eight i was in pain nonstop, and i thought that was normal did you ever like talk to your friends about it? Did you ever talk to your like eight year old friends like, hey guys, is this happening to you also? No, I just kind of figured everyone had it because everyone had something to complain about. So I was like, all right, then this must be a normal thing. Okay. And you don't talk about that stuff when you're eight. You talk I mean, about if you're in pain, and stuff. <laughs> I'm aging, aging myself on that one. But. Incredible. That was an incredible <laughs> reference. Um, okay, so now you are 12. Mm-hmm. You are skiing all the time. You're wearing knee braces, back heating pads so that your back doesn't seize up. You're in pain all the time. Do you have other symptoms too or just the pain? Um, as I kept getting older, like through middle school and high school, I started getting um, really bad fatigue and I would just be exhausted all the time. So I would come home and I would go to sleep, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, If I wasn't at school or if I wasn't skiing, I was in bed at home sleeping. Um, The good old days when I could actually sleep. Um, And I was miserable And I like, I'll be the first to admit it. I was a total bitch in high school (laughs) and my parents just thought I was a lazy bitch at the time um, because that's how I acted on the outside. Um, And it's, I guess it's hard to believe a teenager that they're in as much pain as they are because it's not supposed to be a thing. Talk me through like a typical day in high school for you? Like, what are you doing to manage your symptoms in high school? Or are you not um, doing anything? Are you I, just dealing I wasn't, with it? It wasn't really until college that I started um, doing things. Um, so, like, junior and senior year of high school, I had a migraine all the time. Um, what do you mean all the time? Like, it never, it never subsided. It never went away. Um, You had a constant migraine. Constant migraine. You went to sleep with a migraine. You woke up with the same migraine. 
had lunch with a migraine, went to for school a, with a migraine. For how long did you have a migraine, Haley? So it's it started in junior year of high school and it went through the constant migraine went through freshman year of college. So I had the constant migraine for three years. Um, and then then it was like for two days and then I had a day off kind of thing after that for a few more years. You had a migraine for three years. Yeah. You went to high school and took tests and played sports and hung out with people and with a migraine. Yeah, so I think it's important to note here that I am a very stubborn person. <laughs> like so so like did your did anyone ever notice? Did anyone say like what's going on with you? Why are you like wincing or squinting or why are you is something wrong with you or you literally were toughing it out and nobody had any clue? Yeah, I'm I'm really good at wearing a mask, I call it. Um so I could be in debilitating pain like one out of 10, the pain is a 30. Like I am about to jump off a cliff. The pain is so bad. And I will look at you with straight eyes, how I'm looking at you now and say, no, I'm good. Which (laughs) wasn't great, but I mean, yeah, that sounds like at some point that sounds like you're getting in your own way a little bit, right? Because then, yeah, but in the beginning, I would say stuff and people would underestimate it right Mm -hmm. so when i had this headache for so long i did say occasionally like hey i feel like something's wrong um but people are like oh no you're just you're just like 15 16 whatever age i was um hormones are crazy it's growing pains you'll get over it so i got so sick of being the person to have something seemingly wrong that wasn't there that I was just like, all right, I'm fine. Did you feel like, did you feel like you were crazy as a teenager? Did you believe them that there was nothing wrong or were you convinced that there was? Did you go back Um, and forth on that? As, as time went on, I believed myself more and more because it kept getting worse. But in the beginning, I definitely, I thought I was crazy. Um, I thought I was like a pathological liar because if I was a pathological liar, I would actually believe the stuff that I'm feeling. Um, I didn't like myself at all because I thought I was a burden and without even having anything wrong. Um, I thought I was had like a mental whatever, I'd, you know, mental health issue, whatever, which at the time in the society that I lived in and the town I grew up in, it was very frowned upon. And I didn't have the awareness that I have now about that you were stuff. You were concerned in high school that you had a mental issue. I thought I was psychotic. Yeah. Did you bring that up with anybody? Um, not till... I'm assuming you, you like, have friends. Are you going on dates? Are you, like, are you getting good grades at this time? Like, are you living a normal life? Or, or is it, yeah. like, or is it, like, oh, this person is a mess. She's failing out of everything. She sleeps all the time. But... No. So, I was a mess. Um, I would go to every class. I would study my ass off, even though I couldn't remember most of it. <laughs> Um, I was, I was an AB student somehow. I don't know how, but I had to work really hard for it. Um, and no, I, I didn't really tell my friends cause I didn't want to be annoying. 
you know, at that age, it's very like cutthroat with that stuff. So I just kind of swallowed it. And then when I got to college, it got a little more intense because I was, I started taking um, 12 a leave at a time instead of like the recommended two, I think it is. Okay. So let's just like, (laughs) let's just... Was this a thing where like you started taking two, it didn't do anything. You started taking three that didn't do anything. And you worked your way up to 12 and you found that 12 a leave. Because I I, like I remember doing things that looking back were insane. But at the Mm -hmm. time it was like, well, this is the thing that's helping. So I'm just going to do it. So how often. So now you're in college. Yeah. How how for how long did you take 12 a leave? You took 12 a leave multiple times a day. Yes. For how long? Um, the good part of a year. <laughs> and you still have a functioning liver currently. I have no idea how someone, something was looking down on me on that one. But I, I did start telling people um, towards the end of my senior year of high school, it got, the pain got pretty unbearable um, and the fatigue got bad. So that's when I started telling people something is wrong. Um but this was college now. Yeah, and but that went into college and no one was believing me. So, um, okay, wait. So so you finish high school. Yeah. You are in pain all the time. Yeah. You're tired all the time. Yeah. Are you still getting the rashes or no? No. So you're not getting, getting the rashes. rashes. Is there anything else happening besides the pain and fatigue when you're in high school? Nope. That's it. I mean, well, <laughs> it's hard to say what's from Lyme like I was I was ADD as a kid um I did have some mood things um I was in pain all the time so I don't know if I was just mad because I was always in pain that sounds like something that would make you mad all the time Mm -hmm. um but uh, spoiler alert I also had parasites roaming around my brain so that could have um affected some functioning there okay um when did you learn that that was happening? When did I get a diagnosis? Of, of parasites. Um. So I got the Lyme diagnosis October 10th, 2010. Um, and at that same time, I was also diagnosed with about 18 co-infections. Um, so that, I didn't even know there were 18. So I I couldn't even tell you the names anymore, but that includes like the most well-known ones and then other parasitic and bacterial type co-infections. Okay. Um, so I was riddled. <laughs> that's that's completely nuts. So, okay, wait, but I just want to I just want to get it clear to everybody. So you go to high school and then you somehow you get into college. Yeah. And you go and move away across the across country, the country to yeah. Colorado. Mm-hmm. What is your life like when you get to college? Are you like a miserable, sick mess? So the first day I got to Colorado, I started school at CU Boulder. I That was like my idea of heaven. I have okay. never been happier. I was still in incredible pain. I was still 80. Sucking down t- 12 a leave every four hours. <laughs> I had to get to class. Oh, my God. Um, But... I I made new friends. I was in a new town where I felt normal. I was kind of always like the artsy one of the town I grew up in. So Yeah, what a weirdo, an artsy yeah. person. <laughs> um 
it was a very non-artsy town but um in boulder there's you know there's so much life going on and and everyone's just happy doing their thing and i was finally in a school where i wanted to be doing what i wanted to do with my life which ended up not being what i wanted to do with my life but what were you studying i was majoring in graphic design with a minor in psychology very cool yeah so okay you're at college you're happy for the first time in your life yeah you're just like pushing through this pain yeah. Did you did anyone know that you were taking I mean you must have been buying a leave like I I, I don't like how many come in a bottle like 30? I don't, so I don't remember. So they you're doing bottles though. I mean like, okay, so you're just like living off of a leave basically. Yeah, and, I kind of had to like go around. They had like the little shops around campus and I kind of had to like space out <laughs> which ones I went to. So you didn't make it look sketchy that you were buying so much a leave. Yeah. Yeah. Like at that point, are you because that's not normal, right? You're like, I'm no. buying so much a leave that I'm trying to hide how much I'm buying. Yeah. Like, is this like a red flag or you're just like, I don't care. I'm happy. Oh, no. Super red flag. Um, But I was also really happy for the first time in my life. Are you like partying? Are you doing normal college things? Yes. I was living the life in Boulder, Colorado. It was it was fabulous what were hangovers like for you um horrendous (laughs) (laughs) so like you'd go out with friends they'd probably like wake up at nine in the morning the next day like totally fine because they're 19 i would be like an actual zombie but i'd be like hey the sun's out today it's 85 degrees let's go on a hike okay so (laughs) let me me take my leave and let's go on Okay, so talk to me about what happened to you in college. When did you start to like go yeah. sort of spiral down a little bit? So my freshman year, I was living in the dorms, um, was when swine flu was big. big oh, good. Thing. Yeah, super good timing with that one. Um, so I don't know if I was, I got swine flu or some other virus, but around Thanksgiving time, I got hit with a crazy virus. I was sleeping 20 hours a day, um, total flu-like symptoms, runny nose, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then... How long did that last? The, that lasted for a few weeks. And then the kind of the cold symptoms went away, like the fever went away, the sinus stuff went away but everything else stayed so the the fatigue the absolute exhaustion more pain more anxiety that kind of stuff all stayed with me and then that was around thanksgiving and by may i was bedridden so from like november to may yeah what was that like did you have some good days and some bad days or was it just like a steady decline? It was a pretty steady decline. And at this point, I was telling my parents, like, listen, this is this is serious. And we for the for the past like couple years, we had been trying to get answers about my knee and my back pain. Um, but it never really went past like a knee specialist or back specialist. Um, so at this point, I was kind of like begging someone to believe me. Um, and they kind of just said like, oh, you're, you're in college. You're just drinking too much or whatever. 
Um, and I was like, no, no, <laughs> really, like I'm I'm in danger. And at this point, obviously, I wasn't going out anymore. I was just trying to survive and get to class. You were still um, going to class, though. I was. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God, Haley. Here comes okay. that stubbornness. <laughs> so you're going to class and then what, collapsing when you get home? Yeah, so I would take the leave and it, it wouldn't it wouldn't leave me painless, but it would take the edge off enough that I could walk to class. Um, and then the class would be, you know, a couple hours, college class. And then I would come back to my room and sleep the rest of the day. Did you ever think about getting like, I mean, it's it's college in Colorado, right? You could probably get drugs. Are you like, should I get some crazy stuff to take the pain away? Um, weed was a very big thing. Okay. Was <laughs> it helpful? It, it honestly, to this day, that has been the only thing to help the pain that I have. Mm. Uh, the pain's a lot less now, but, yeah. um, but I couldn't, I'm not a person who can function after they smoke. So I couldn't smoke and then go to class. Right. Um, cause I w- it just doesn't work for me. Sure. I melt into the couch kind of kind of person. It's mm-hmm. not a, not a thing. Um, but I went home around Christmas time, home being Western New York. Um, and my massage therapist, who I'd been seeing since I was twelve year old, twelve years old, who if I didn't go to, I like once or twice a month, I literally couldn't walk. Um, she is was a deep. Hold tissue. on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> How old were you when you first started seeing a massage therapist? 12 12 and you went to her every month at least once yeah. at least once a month at t- starting at 12 yes and and that wasn't a red flag for anybody that a normally <sighs> normal 12 year old was going to a massage therapist i, I don't want to like make you mad because i'm sure that <laughs> you have thought this a billion times because looking back on it i'm sure it seems so obvious right looking back it's very obvious and i will say to like i know for a fact my parents will never get over that guilt of not taking it more seriously have you talked to them about it recently um we've talked about it in the past couple years it is a hard hard subject for us to talk about we've 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 done a lot of work around it with therapy of like the whole resentment of them not believing me and the guilt that they have for not believing me um but yeah i don't i don't know if it's something as a human you can ever fully get over um on both sides Mm -hmm. but we've we've come a pretty far way from from where we were for sure yeah i can understand that completely yeah um okay so you go home for christmas So I go home from Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was home for Christmas. So I was like, perfect timing. I can fit in a couple of massages on my on my break here. Um, And she was a deep tissue lady all the way. Like she would work on me and be like, if I touched anyone like this, they would scream at me in pain. So for some reason, I had all this pain, but I couldn't feel pain. (laughs) Okay. Which was a little weird. Um, So this time I went back to her. And she basically was touching me with the weight of a feather and I was screaming in pain. Okay. So she had been, my parents went to her as well. So we had known her for 
long time at this point. She's basically part of the family. So she called my parents and said, hey, I know she's been saying stuff. I know, like, whatever. But you got to believe this, kid. Like, something is seriously wrong. You didn't, cannot, you didn't ask her to do that? I didn't even know she was going to do it, no. And she's, I guess she, my mom told me later. Um, and I guess she told them, like, you need to get this kid to a doctor immediately. Like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Um, and she'd been working with me for, like, six to eight years at the time. So she yeah. knows my body back and back and front. Um, and that's finally, that was the ticket that my parents needed to be like, okay, this is, there's a lot more going on than just knee pain and back pain here. So then was it like a switch flipped and they got on board completely? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, did you stay home or did you go back to school? I went back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Haley. <laughs> I should not have gone back to school, but I did. Right. Um and I somehow made it to classes by taking the leave and um getting to class, coming home and sleeping until until uh the summer. And then what happened? Um and then I was bedridden. <laughs> this is the end of your freshman year. This is my the end of my freshman year. So I, I go back to Western New York to my parents' place for the summer, summer break. Um, and basically, I, I was bedridden, but I could, like, make it out of bed to go to the doctor kind of thing. Um, so that's what my summer was. It was doctor to doctor trying to figure out. We went to anyone who's from Western New York knows Strong Hospital. They're a huge, huge medical school and community um and a very uh they're well known in the medical community um so i saw all the top specialists there in new york though in western new york in western new york wait but when did your mom come to visit you in colorado this was my sophomore year that was your sophomore year okay so we haven't gotten there yet I, yeah. I did not want to miss this. Okay, so now you're going to all these doctors your freshman year. Yeah. Are any of them helpful? No. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> heard, you, heard some pretty ridiculous things. Do you remember um, any of the crazy things that doctors told you? Um, yes, all of it. But <laughs> I know I'll give you two straight off the bat mm-hmm. that I will never forget my entire life. One was the top infectious disease guy um he spent you know like half an hour with us didn't put a finger on my body even though my number one complaint was pain um and then he said we'll get back to you they did a they ran a bunch of tests um and my mom called after a couple weeks of not hearing from them and the guy basically said um not basically almost word for word said I don't know what to tell you. The results were fine. We did spend half an hour with you. You got to leave us alone. So moved on from the infectious disease doc. I have a a strong physical reaction to hearing that. Continue. I still do as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll love this one even more. So I saw their top neurologist at the time. 
um, lived in the same town as me, had treated chronic Lyme in the past, had written essays on it. So we were like, okay, if this is what it is, he's going to be the guy to tell us where to go. Um, and he made me do a lot of testing, invasive testing. He did like the muscle testing where you like flex your muscle and you stab a needle into the muscle and horrendous, horrendous. Um, the one test he refused to give me was a SPECT scan, which was the only test that I eventually got that came back severe. Um, and for people with neurolime like me, the SPECT scan is basically it's going to show something. Why did he refuse to give you that test? Don't know to this day, but also to this day, every time my parents or I see him in town because he still lives there. Um, he kind of ducks his head and runs the other way. That makes sense. Yeah. So super interesting. Um, but yeah, so that, those were like the top two most disgusting things. So, okay. So now you're, it's after your freshman year, you're going to all these doctors, your parents are starting yeah. to get on board. Yeah. I'm going to hate the answer to this. <laughs> Did you go back to school for your sophomore year? So I went back to school <laughs> for my <laughs> So, yeah, because schools like the that was like it was my dream yeah. to like leave where I grew up and get to this awesome, awesome place. Um, yes, I went back to school. So the summer of doctor's appointments ended um, and anyone other than freshmen for Boulder live off campus. So I was in a duplex um, and I was one of six girls, which sounds awesome. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so and at some point in there, I don't even remember when because I think I just dissociated it at this point, but I went to the Cleveland Clinic as well for a week and did all sorts of testing there. And they said, we don't know what it is, but it's definitely not Lyme. And we're, we were like, okay. Cool. So where did, what to do now? And they were like, we don't know. Um, <laughs> they literally just were like, have a nice day. And then you left. They literally said, we have no idea what it is, but it's not Lyme disease and didn't give us any treatment options. I bet they were so confident when they said it, too. They were. Mm -hmm. How did you know? Oh, OK. Um, so, yeah. So sophomore year, I was in school and I just I just leveled. I got I was completely bed bound at this point. My mom had to come to Boulder um, and she slept on my college bedroom floor for months. In a house with five other girls. With five other girls. Did the five other girls ever say, like, why is your mom sleeping on your floor? So they, they knew something was wrong with me. Um, I'm not really friends with any of these girls anymore. Okay. Um, I'm not really friends with anyone pre-Lyme diagnosis yeah. anymore. Um, but they would they would see me. I had a mini fridge in my in my room because people steal food in college. <laughs> um, so I had and I like ate organic eggs and stuff. So had to keep those safe. Sure. You know? um, so I had this robe that I would wear with pockets in it. Um, and I, my bedroom was upstairs and the kitchen was downstairs, obviously. So every time I had to make breakfast, I would put one egg in each pocket. 
and I would have to hold the railing with one hand and the wall with the other and like get down the stairs that way. And they saw this. Um, so they knew I wasn't okay for sure. Um, and they, they were great about having a adult stay in a college household their sophomore year of school. Um, but they also did make her do all my chores still, which was a little weird. Um, and like an, the angel she is, she did that. Um, yeah, so she she stayed on my floor. Finally, we got her an air mattress, which was good. Um, and she didn't, I will, I'll mention, she didn't leave my side because at this point, we didn't know if I was going to die at any moment. Was that something um, you were worried about? I was petrified. I would force myself to stay awake. Because every time I closed my eyes, I thought it was going to be the last time. So I would be like pinching myself. I would be smacking myself. Like it sounds very violent, but I would do anything to stay up constantly. Because I would like closing my eyes was the scariest thought because I didn't think I would open them ever again. And then what? And then... I was too sick to fly back to Western New York. I was too unstable. Um, so my dad was able to rent a house in Breckenridge in the mountains. Um, and he kind of picked my mom and I up when he was there, when he got to Colorado and brought us um, to the mountains. And that is where I stayed. Did your parents know that you were forcing yourself to stay awake because you were worried that you wouldn't wake up? My mom knew because she was there. That must have been very difficult for her. Yeah. And she she had to deal with the possibility of that for a long time, probably a year and a half. <sighs> wow. So now you're in a house in the mountains in Breckenridge with both your parents? Yeah. And how long were you at that house? Um, I was at that house... I don't know exactly how long because I was very out of it at this point. Um, but I was at that house probably six to eight months, I want to say. And then I was stable enough to fly back um, to New York. So we came back, uh, obviously, with assist they had to help me a lot. But um, they flew me back to New York and we stayed there. So what is your life like when you come back to New York after this, all of this? Oh, I'm still very much bedridden at this point. Um, I'm in treatment. I was still having seizures on a daily basis. When did the seizures start? Oh, right. We didn't. We haven't. You didn't talk about seizures. <laughs> when did seizures start happening? Um, so I got diagnosed October 10th, 2010. The seizures started happening soon after that. So it was it was like part of the Herx reaction that I had. How did you finally and, get a diagnosis? We have to at least go there and then we'll talk about the seizures. Yeah. Um, so basically it was out of desperation. We went to, like everyone, dozens of doctors that told us we have no idea what it is, but it's not Lyme. And then there was one crazy Lyme doctor um, who said, no, no, this is Lyme. We have to treat her now, like right now. Um, and by the time we gave in, it was a do or die situation. And that was the 
literally the only option we were given. Um, so it was basically like an effort. We got to do something. Um, and that's when they told and, you you had 18 co-infections? Yeah. Yeah. And I had a 50% chance of survival. They told you that? My doctor told me that, yeah. He he said like it it's it doesn't look great, but we're gonna we're gonna hit it hard and we're gonna go after it and whatever happens, I am here with you. And we were like, All right, let's do it. Okay. So you're dealing with that information, you've got eighteen co infections, and then you mm -hmm. start getting seizures. Yes. What were the seizures like? Um, so it's not like your typical grandma seizure, um, but I forget the name offhand, of course, but it is a medical seizure. Um, basically, what happens is you lose control of your body um, and your whole body clamps up into like a fetal position. And um, what would happen to me is like my ab abdominal muscles would kind of vibrate. It's a great ab workout. That's a twisted joke. Um, <laughs> I'm just... I would be just completely clenched um, and my body would be shaking and I would be completely aware of what's going on and the pain I was feeling and how scared I was, but I couldn't make no noise. Like I would open my mouth and nothing would come out um, and they would last between 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes every time. Um, that and feels like usually... a long time. It's it's a very long time. Yeah, it feels a lot longer than that um, during it. Um, and then after it broke, usually somehow um, I would start crying about something and that's what flipped it. Um, and then it would take another half an hour for my mom and to kind of unclench my hands and then my arms. Um, yeah. You're doing great, by the way. Thank you. Um, so I do want to get to everything. Yeah. So, so I just want to fast forward a little bit. You go into remission. You go home. Mm -hmm. You're having all these seizures. You have a 50% chance to live. And then within like a year and a half, you go into what you call a mini remission. Yeah. It wasn't quite remission, but it was almost there. Um, I was able to go back to school. For a little, for like a couple months. <laughs> was that from, were you taking antibiotics? Yes. My, my treatment was heavy antibiotic treatment the whole way through. Um, but the doctors at the time, I was seeing doctors in Colorado because that's where I was living. Um, they didn't really know how to take me off antibiotics and kind of finish up the treatment. Um, so they took me off a little too soon and I was able to get back to school and, here we go again. My dream life's here again. Um, and then one day I woke up and I'll never forget this moment either. I eat organic peanut butter um, and I couldn't stir. You know how it has like the oil on the top? <laughs> I couldn't stir it because like I was too weak to stir it. Um, and I called my mom and said, I got to come home. And... I got home and about a week later, I was 10 times worse than I ever was. So you flew home. I flew home, yep. And then, so by 10 times worse, you mean 
pain, fatigue. Everything. And this is when my neurological symptoms got really, really bad. Um, this is when I couldn't, not only was I bedridden, so I couldn't walk on my own. I couldn't speak words. I would kind of open my mouth and sounds would come out or I would talk like a baby, which was really weird. Um, I couldn't see. It was my eyes were like looking through heavily frosted glass so I could see shapes and stuff, but I couldn't like I couldn't tell what things were. Um, I was really sensitive to light. So I basically just sat in a dark room all the time, um, really sensitive to sounds. So I couldn't like music with bass would throw me into a seizure, quite literally. Um, and the pain was horrendous. So during this time, besides getting treatment, which I'm yeah. assuming you were doing, what were you yeah. what were you doing besides sleeping? Nothing. I was staring at the ceiling and I wasn't really sleeping anymore. Right. Um, so I would literally just sit in this room completely trapped in my own body, um, never knowing when a seizure is going to happen or a Lyme rage episode is going to happen. None of it. And just basically, quite literally, staring at the ceiling 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three years. For uh, for three years. For people that don't know, can you describe what a Lyme rage episode, what yeah, a Lyme so, rage episode for you was like? Yeah, so Lyme rage for me, um, it's pretty common when you have Bartonella, which is one of the co-infections um, and which was one of my good old main co-infections um and it basically the best way i can describe it is that you become possessed um and you start screaming like i would go up to my mom not go up my mom would come to me <laughs> and sit on the side of my bed and i would feel it coming on like you you can kind of i could kind of feel like an adrenaline thing um, as a warning and I would open my mouth to say mom I'm scared like help me and what would come out would be horrendous language screaming louder than I ever thought I was capable of and louder than I've ever been able to yell <laughs> since um, and my mom would always say that my eyes just went blank um, and then so she would just kind of sit there and take it and then she would kind of see after like an hour, same with the seizures, um, she would kind of see my eyes come back and I would break down crying and then feel horrible. Um, I always wanted to break something. I always wanted to hurt people and me. But for some reason, thank God, I was able to not do that. Um, but I always I always want like it just felt so satisfying to throw a plate at my mom's head which like anyone who knows my mom she's an angel I love her dearly I would never dream of it even if I wasn't a fan of her I wouldn't dream of it mm. but um so it's it's just this like crazy experience that's just pure anger and cruelty so that was three years of that yeah and then was there a, a turning point was there a turning point for that 
For the Lyme Rage and stuff? Yeah. Well, also, I have written down that you had to teach yourself how to walk again. Yeah. So I guess that was kind of the turning point. Um, I started seeing little glimmers of hope. Like one day I would I would wake up and I would walk to the bathroom by myself. But just just to clarify, for three years, when you after you had this little remission and all of your symptoms come back really bad, you can't speak, but you also mm-hmm. can't walk or think or function at all as yeah. a person. Correct. So I was basically a vegetable. I could just breathe on my own. And then at what point did you start teaching yourself how to and how did you teach yourself how to walk and talk again? Yeah. So you did this um, yourself. I did this all myself. Yeah. Um, they don't really have rehab for Lyme patients yet. They, they will. Sure. Not yet. Um, yeah. So I started getting better um, very gradually, but I could start seeing the light and I would kind of, I would stand up and I wouldn't know what to do with my legs. Um, so when I was able to finally look at a computer screen, um, I would, I would YouTube videos, um, like for walking, I would YouTube videos of, um, like paralysis patients relearning how to walk. Um, and then I had to teach myself how to drive again from YouTube You'd YouTube like how I, to drive a car? I feel like I shouldn't be admitting that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should. It's real. Like you, that's a but thing. But yes, I had to, I couldn't, I, obviously I couldn't drive for, for years. Um, and I didn't, it was, it was basically like my brain got wiped clean. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no recollection of what to do when I got in a car. Um, Is your short term like, and long term memory just like fun from a lot of that time? My memory was gone. So and and throughout this time, if you if you were telling me like a list to make to go shopping or something, let's say, you could say apple, like write apples on the list. I would write half of the A and I would have no idea what I'm writing. Like I wouldn't even realize I'm writing an A anymore. I would just be like, I don't know what to do from here. Um, so yeah, I YouTube is is an amazing <laughs> resource. It helped me learn how to walk it helped me learn how to talk it helped me learn how to write it helped me learn how to drive um and i was relearning all of this as a 21 year old 22 year old what was your emotional state like that at that time um i think it was pretty numb to be quite honest, um, I was very much in this like, I'm going to do this because I'm going to do this and nobody's going to stop me and nobody's going to take away my life. Um, I was I was past the point of is she going to die or is she going to live? Um, and I was basically like, I'm going to live and it's going to be a good life. And my stubbornness kicked back in. Um I just, I refuse to be beat by this. And I don't think I let anything, I kind of repressed everything else. Um, nothing else phased me. My, like, they say your eye is on the prize, right? I was, I was raised in an athletic family. We, we get shit done in my family and that's what I was going to do. So 
let's just talk about now. So now you're three years, you're learning how to walk and you're seeing the light. Did you start? When, when did, are you, do you consider yourself in remission right now? I consider myself in remission from Lyme. Yes. So how did that happen and when did that happen? Yeah, so I I took um, IV antibiotics as well as oral. So I had a port for two years. Um, and for me, that saved my life uh, mentally and physically. Um, and after two years of that and after this like gradual improvements, um, my doctor and I started working on a plan to get me off of antibiotics. Um, and it just, it kind of just happened. I don't want to say it like that because that makes it sound so much easier than it really was. Of course. Um, but it, it took, it took about a year from like, okay, we can start talking about this to like the last month. Like I had a calendar of all, of all my last, um, antibiotic doses. Um, and yeah, and I got, I got my port taken out and I, I gotta tell you the, the last bag that I did of antibiotics was the happiest and scariest day of my life. Why? Um, well, happiest, you can guess that. Sure. Um, but scariest because, for so many reasons, but the main one being this is all I knew. Um, and here I was as like a 22 year old. Um, in a lot of ways, I was a lot older than 22. I related to my parents' friends a lot more than I related to people my age. Um, but in a lot of other ways, I was still a 14 year old kid. I didn't know how to balance a checkbook, which I guess nobody really does anymore. <laughs> but um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to do things that you learn when you're in college or after college. You know, I didn't, I didn't know how to pay bills. I didn't know how to take care of myself as an adult. And here I was an adult. Um, it's like I disappeared for five years and then I'm coming back to the world and nobody understands that I have no idea what's going on. I didn't know how to be around people. I didn't know how to interact with people. So it was it was petrifying. How did you learn how to interact with people? Um, so after YouTube kind of covered the bases, <laughs> um, I would hang out with my friend, my parents and their friends, who I also consider my friends at this point. Um, and I would literally study them um, from the very basics. From like they would come into the house and this person would say hi and give this person a hug. And then she said that and it was funny. So that person laughed. And I I did this for years. And, I, and sometimes you can still like if you know me really well, you can still catch me doing it at parties and stuff. Um, but I used to just sit in a corner because I had such bad social anxiety um, and literally just watch people and observe and that's that's how I relearned how to be a human in society. That's amazing. Thanks. I just I just can't even imagine dealing with all of that. 
Um, okay. So now you're in remission and you're a person in the world. What mm-hmm. was it like being a not as sick person anymore? Were you just like, I'm going to grab life by the balls and I'm going to travel all over the world? Were you like, I'm not leaving my house? Were you? Um, yeah, so a little of both. It was hard to leave the house. Um, it took it took a long time for me to be able to leave the house without having Xanax in my bag at all times because um, I, I got panic attacks a lot at this point. Like the seizures had kind of just subsided, but um, now panic attacks were a thing. Um, so I always had Xanax on me just in case. And it was, it was like my best friend at the time. I was, I'm like scared, so scared of pills. Um, but sometimes you need them. Um, so yeah, it was, it was petrifying. I, it was hard for me to go outside because of grass and ticks. Um, and growing up, being an outdoorsy person, that was really heartbreaking. Um, it took me seven years to be able to walk on a sidewalk even, let alone grass. Sure. Um, with, that, like, that must have made it on. fun to like hang out with other people when, when you're like... Yeah, so actually when when I did hang out with people, I would have to drive myself everywhere because the thought of like let's say I meet a friend at a coffee place, the thought of them being like, oh yeah, let's go on a hike. And me being stuck there because I don't have my car was a debilitating fear. Mm -hmm. So I drove everywhere and I didn't drive people. I just drove myself um, because I always had an escape. So we have like five minutes left. Oh boy. I know it goes quickly and but I, I and I because I want to get to everything but I also yeah. don't want to I mean we could do this for four hours right we could do this for a very long time so I haven't even touched it <laughs> I know so so and maybe we'll do a follow-up at some point but like what are you what is your life like now where are you right now if you could talk to yourself as a kid back then what would you say um I know so many things um how are you doing now where are you now because i think you're amazing and killing it right now thank you i like to think so too (laughs) um i am i went back to school i got my associates um and now i'm in an intensive master's program for acupuncture and chinese medicine um and i am i believe i'm way happier than i ever would have been um I have incredible friendships now. My relationship with my parents is way deeper and better than it ever was pre-illness. And I still have lasting stuff. I still have joint pain. It's not nearly as bad. It's not debilitating, but it's there. Um, I do have lesions in my brain from the seizures, Um, but I'm in this program and I can keep up with, you know, the normal folk. Um, do you appreciate that as much as, as I think you should like, or do you take that for granted? I do not take one step for granted Mm. anymore. And that I think is part of why I am as happy of a person as I am 
and an appreciative person as I am because literally I like every time I brush my hair, I'm like, I can do this by myself, like putting makeup on. This is stuff I, I literally couldn't do. And if I did, it would probably put me into a seizure. Um, so, yeah. And living somewhere like New York and it being so live. I mean, I know it's COVID right now, but commuting to school and meeting friends and walking through the park, like whatever it may be. I don't I do not take a second for granted because I didn't have it yeah. for so long. What would you say to eight year old Haley? Oh, man. Besides, like, you're right. Don't listen to them. I think I think the first thing I would do is just give her a very big hug um, and tell her that she's doing so much better than she thinks she is and that she's going to she's going to be happy and she's going to make it through. And it's going to be worth it. And what would you say to people who are watching this or listening to this and have gotten to the end and are in the middle of their journey? We'll call it a journey. Yeah, I like that word. Um, I would say if you're still in it, do not give up. Keep going. I know, I know it's really, really hard to see the light and see the hope. And you go, you take two steps forward three steps back. Um, but if I, if I can be where I am today, you can do it. It's, it's a horrendous illness. It's a shit show of a disease, but it is treatable when you have the right care. So don't stop being your own advocate. Do not stop fighting. And one day it will be worth it. Yeah. Anything else before we wrap up for the folks at home? I uh, think that's it. I don't know. I, I have no <laughs> recollection of what I just said. <laughs> well, I think I think everything you said was amazing. Um, Thank you. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, this is Haley Tobias. I am Jesse Rubin. We are on the board of Generation Lime. If you have gotten to the end of this, we so appreciate you. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Please reach out. Um, this is the second of many podcasts we're going to do. We have some really fun stuff, uh, coming up and we hope that you will join us for that. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Haley, you're just an absolute effing superhero. And I'm so honored that you took the time. And I love that we get to talk every week on our Generation Lime calls. You're just the best. Thank you, Jesse. Love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Mate. <laughs>